Yeah, are you there, me hearties? And welcome to a special bonus episode of the Bible Pirate Podcast. My name is Matt Valor. I have been retranslating the Bible into English as part of this pirate project. It's called the unauthorized version and I use it as the translation that I then talk about in each Bible Pirate podcast episode. Now we are in the second voyage and in this voyage we're using much larger amounts of story. Uh, We're going all the way from Genesis to Deuteronomy and so there's not time to read out all the passages in each episode. So that's why we have a special bonus feature where I'm going to read to you from a large chunk. So this bonus episode is me reading from Genesis 12 to 35. And then in the next episode, which will be episode two of the second voyage, I'm actually going to talk properly about that reading. Now, if you like this and you want to support it, please check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Bible Pirate. All your support really matters. Shout out to the patrons who are already there. Thank you for making this possible Uh, Hold on to your hats, make a cup of tea, whatever it is you need to do to listen to a good story, because this one is a cracker. This is Genesis 12 to 35. A long time ago, in a land far from my own, there lived a man called Terah, a descendant of Shem. He lived with his family in an ancient city called Ur, on the fertile plain where the great rivers merge and drag their mattress of silt into the Persian Gulf. Terah's youngest son, Haran, died, leaving two granddaughters, Milcah and Iska, and a grandson, Lot. So Terah took his whole family and left Ur, heading northwest along the path of the Euphrates, up past Babylon to a place on the modern Turkey-Syria border, just north of Aleppo, called Haran. I suspect the place was called something else back then, but Terah's family turned out to be quite influential, so the name of his lost son stuck. The middle son, Nahor, married Haran's daughter, Milka. Terah also had a daughter with a different woman. That daughter's name was Sarai, and she was married to Terah's eldest son, who went by the name of Abram. Terah had intended to continue on to Canaan, but he settled in Haran and eventually died there. But Yahweh said to Abram, Get out of your country, your family, and the protection of your father's house. Go to a new land that I'll show you. I'm going to make you a great nation and your name will be revered. People will invoke you for their protection and prosperity and I shall bless those who bless you and curse anyone who curses you. Everyone on the Adama will find blessing through you. So Abraham left with Sarai and his nephew Lot. They'd acquired a lot of possessions in Haran, which all went with them, including many slaves who were part of Abram's household, as was ancient nomadic custom. They travelled south and west, down into Canaan, to Shechem and the great tree of Morah. 
Yahweh appeared to Abraham there and said, I will give this land to your children. So Abraham built an altar to Yahweh by the great tree, and another further south in the hill country west of Jericho, where he pitched his tents between the towns of Bethel and Ai. Then, bit by bit, Abraham journeyed south into the semi-desert of the Negev. There was a famine, so Abraham moved west into Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As they reached the border, he said to Sarai, You are a beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will want to take you as a wife, and they will kill me to get you. Say you're my sister, and they'll let me live. Sure enough, the Egyptians thought Sarai was very beautiful, and Pharaoh himself took her into his harem. She had no choice, of course. When Pharaoh wanted a woman, no one refused. And because of Sarai, Pharaoh showered Abraham with livestock and slaves. But Yahweh sent plagues on Pharaoh and all his family and servants because of Sarai. So Pharaoh called Abraham and said, Why did you tell me she was your sister so that I would take her as my wife? Here she is. Take her and go. And Pharaoh's men ensured he left with his wife and all his possessions. And he journeyed back to the Negev. Abraham was now very wealthy and he returned to the hills between Bethel and Ai where he had pitched his tent and built an altar to Yahweh. The problem was that Lot also had a lot of livestock and the land could not support them both. Both men's shepherds began fighting over pasture. This was back when the Canaanites and Perizzites still lived in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not fight. We are brothers. Choose the land you want. If you go to the right, I will go left. If you go left, I'll go right. Lot looked around at the surrounding land and chose the plain of the Jordan on the way to Zoar at the south end of the Salt Sea. It's underwater now, but back then it was a fertile land, like the Garden of Yahweh or the lands of the Nile. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the plain, with his tent facing towards Sodom. But the people of Sodom were evil and violated Yahweh. After Lot had gone, Yahweh said to Abram, Look up from where you are. Look north, south, east and west. Everything you can see I will give you and your children forever. I will ensure your descendants are as many as there are flecks of dust on the ground. Get up, walk through the length and breadth of the land, because I give it all to you. So Abram moved his tents further south, to the great trees of Mamre the Amorite at Hebron, and built another altar to Yahweh. For twelve years, the kings of the cities of the plains of the Jordan had paid tribute to King Chedorlaomer of Elam. He ruled a people far away in the east, on the other side of the Tigris River. But the people of the cities east of the Jordan River were his vassals. 
In the thirteenth year, they rebelled. So King Chedorlaomer came west with his allies, King Amraphal of Shinar near Babylon, King Arioch of Elasar, and King Tidal of the Gentiles, and subdued the resistance. They defeated the mighty giants of the underworld at Ashtoreth Karniam, their wandering cousins at Ham, and still more at Shaveth Kiriathaim. Surging south, they beat the Horites in the hill country of Seir, and went further south and west to the edge of the Sinai Desert at El Paran. Then they turned around, and striking out from En Mishpat, they attacked all the Amalekites, and also the Amorites of Hazanoth Tamar, at the south-western edge of the Salt Sea. The kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim and Bela met King Chedorlaoma and his allies at the valley of Sidim. It was four kings against five, but the kings of the plain were no match for the kings of the east. The armies of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some of their fighters fell into the nearby tar pits, while others ran to the hill country. So Sodom and Gomorrah were plundered, and the kings of the east left. But among the captured goods was Abram's nephew, Lot. Abram was by the great trees of Mamre when a messenger who had escaped the battle brought him news of Lot's capture. He gathered his trained men, 318 of them, and Mamre and his brothers with whom he had a covenant, and pursued the armies of King Chedorlaomer north, up the Jordan River to Dan. He divided his forces and attacked them by night and chased them down all the way to Hobar, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the plunder, including Lot and all his family and possessions. The king of Sodom met Abram in the valley of Shaveth, that's the king's valley east of the Salt Sea, and King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of El Elyon. He blessed Abram in the name of El Elyon and praised El Elyon for handing Abram's enemies to him, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said, Just give me my people. Keep all the plunder for yourself. But Abram said, I have made an oath to Yahweh El Elyon, owner of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or the strap of a sandal or anything at all that is yours, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I'll take what my men have eaten and the share belonging to Mamre and his brothers, but no more. After all this, Abram had a vision in which he could see Debar Yahweh, who said, have no fear, Abram, I am your shield, your reward will be vast. But Abram replied, What will you give me, Yahweh Adonai? I have no children, so my servant Eliezer of Damascus will inherit all my estate, a slave born in my house. Abram saw the Bar Yahweh again. This man will not inherit your estate, but a child of your own. He led him outside. 
Look at the heavens and count the stars if you are able. That is how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed Yahweh, who marked it as his right in the terms of this covenant. Then Dabah Yahweh said to Abraham, I am Yahweh who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land. But Abraham wanted an assurance that Yahweh would honour the covenant. So he instructed Abraham to bring a heifer, a doe goat and a ram, all three years old, as well as a turtle dove and a pigeon. Abraham cut each of the animals in half and laid each half over against the other, along with the birds which he laid down whole. Birds of prey circled the carcasses, but every time they dived for them, Abraham fought them off. As the sun set, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a freakish darkness covered him. And Debar Yahweh said to him, Know that your descendants will be foreigners in a land that is not theirs, and will be oppressed as slaves for four hundred years. But I will judge that nation, and they will loot it and leave it. As for you, you will go to your fathers in peace, and be buried at a good old age. But they will return here in the fourth generation, because the crimes of the Amorites are not yet complete. Once the sun had set, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed through the darkness between the animal pieces. And so Yahweh made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I give this land, from the Nile to the Euphrates, the southwestern lands of the Kenite metal workers, the land of the Kenizzites, the land of the Cabmonites, children of the east, the land of the Hittites in the north, land of the Perizzites in the central hills, the lands of the giants of the underworld in the mountains east of the Jordan, as well as the lands of the Amorites in the fertile plains, the Canaanites and the Girgashites in the western hills, and the Jebusites, who lived on the hills of the west side of the Salt Sea, which would eventually become Jerusalem. Abraham and Sarai couldn't have children, but in those days it was believed to be a curse on the woman. So Sarai said to Abraham, Yahweh has prevented me from having children, so take my Egyptian slave girl, Hagar, maybe she can serve as a surrogate. So after ten years of living in Canaan, Sarai gave Hagar to Abraham as a wife, and she got pregnant. Hagar then looked down on Sarai, who blamed Abraham. May Yahweh judge between you and me, she screamed at him. She is your slave girl, retorted Abraham. Do what you want to do with her. So Sarai beat Hagar and she ran away. The angel of Yahweh found Hagar in the wilderness on the road to Egypt by a spring of water. Hagar, Sarai's slave girl, where have you come from and where are you going? he asked. I'm running away from Sarai, she replied. 
the angel of Yahweh said, Return to your mistress and submit to her violence. I will give you so many descendants that they will be impossible to count. You are a womb of life and shall bear a son. Call him Ishmael. Yahweh hears your pain. He will be wild as a man against everyone. All against him too. They will fight and strain. Hagar named Yahweh who spoke to her El Roy. Because I have seen the back of him who sees me. The spring was named Beer Lahai Roy, which is not easy to translate. It is a well, and it involves seeing and living. But who is doing the seeing and who is doing the living remains open. When Abraham was 86 years old, Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. Thirteen years later, Yahweh appeared to Abraham and said, I am El Shaddai. Walk in front of me, unblemished, and I will make a covenant between us and multiply you. Abraham fell down with his face on the ground and Elohim talked with him. Look, I will make you the ancestor of many, many nations. And so your name will no longer be Abraham, but Abraham. You will be like the most fruitful harvest. Nations and kings will come from your body. And I will make this covenant between us and your descendants across generations forever. Elohim to you and your children after you. And I will give you all this land in which you are now a foreigner, all the land of Canaan, to be yours forever, and I will be their God. So keep faith with my covenant, you and all your descendants. And here are the terms. Every male in your house, whether he is born there as a son or slave, or whether acquired from another place, all of them, both now and for the generations that follow, must all be circumcised. So my covenant will be in your flesh and will be as permanent as the cut. Anyone who does not cut off their foreskin will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Elohim also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, she will now be called Sarah. She will give you a son and from her will birth nations and kings. Abraham fell down again on his face, laughing to himself. How can I have a child when I am a hundred years old? Or Sarah, who is ninety? So he said to Elohim, Surely Ishmael can be this son and live as yours. But Elohim said, No, your wife Sarah shall give birth to a son you shall call Isaac. And I will make my covenant with him and all his children forever. As for Ishmael, I have heard you and have blessed him and will make his descendants many. He will father twelve princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be with Isaac. 
to whom Sarah will give birth at this season next year. Elohim finished talking with Abraham and went up from him. So Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, every son and every slave, and he cut off their foreskins along with his own. Yahweh appeared to Abraham by the great trees of Mamre. He was sitting at the entrance to his tent to shelter from the hot sun when he looked up and saw three men standing near him. As was customary, according to the expectations of hospitality, he rushed up to greet them, bowing low to the ground and imploring them, My Lord, if I have your favour, please do not pass by. I am your servant. Please rest yourself under the tree and I will provide a little water for you to wash your feet and a little bread for you to eat. And only after that pass on. The men agreed and Abraham went straight to the tent and said to Sarah, Quickly, take three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. And then he ran to the herd and took a tender young calf and gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. Then Abraham bought butter and milk, along with the calf he had prepared, to his guests, and stood by them under the tree while they ate. The men said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? In this tent, he replied. Then one of the men said, I will return to you in time, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent behind him and she laughed to herself. After I and my master have grown so old, will I have that sublime pleasure? Yahweh said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and scoff at this idea? Is anything too wonderful for Yahweh? When the time is ready, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied laughing, but he insisted she had. Then the men set off towards Sodom, and Abraham accompanied them for the first part of their journey. Should I hide my plans from Abraham, wondered Yahweh, given that he will become a great and powerful nation, and all nations of the earth will invoke his name for peace and prosperity? No, I chose him so that he will ensure his children and his household that follows him will keep to the way of Yahweh by keeping faith with our covenant and acting according to it so that I can deliver on my promise to him. Then Yahweh said, The protest against Sodom and Gomorrah is loud. I need to go down there and see for myself whether they are as evil as the claims against them. So the men turned from Abraham and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before Yahweh. He approached him and said, Will you destroy the innocent along with the guilty? What if there are fifty blameless people in the city? Will you still destroy it and not forgive it for the sake of the fifty who are blameless? Surely you wouldn't destroy the innocent with the guilty. Surely the judge of all the earth will do what is just. Okay, said Yahweh. If I find fifty innocent people in Sodom, I will forgive the whole city for their sake. 
Abraham leaned in. Let me take the risk to speak again to my lord, even though I am just dust and ashes. What if five of those fifty people turn out to be guilty? Surely you wouldn't destroy the city just for five people. I won't destroy it if I find forty-five innocent people there, replied Yahweh. What if there are only forty innocent? pressed Abraham. I won't destroy it for forty, replied Yahweh. Please, my lord, do not be angry if I speak again. What if only thirty are found? I will not do it if I find thirty, replied Yahweh. Let me take it on myself to speak again to my lord, said Abraham. What about twenty people? For the sake of twenty people, I will not destroy the city, replied Yahweh. Please, my lord, do not be angry if I speak just one more time, said Abraham, persevering. What if there are only ten? All right, said Yahweh, for the sake of ten innocent people, I will not destroy Sodom. At that point, Yahweh went on his way and Abraham returned to his tents. Two angels came to Sodom in the evening, while Lot was sitting at the city gates. He got up, and, as was customary according to the expectations of hospitality, he bowed his face to the ground and implored them, Please, my lords, come to my house, wash your feet and spend the night. Then in the morning you can rise early and be on your way. They refused him, saying they would spend the night in the city square, but Lot insisted. So they came to his house and ate a feast he had made along with unleavened bread. But before they lay down, the men of the city, young and old, from every part, surrounded Lot's house and shouted, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out here so we can rape them. Lot went outside to plead with the men. I beg you, brothers, do not do this evil. I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you instead and you can do with them what you want. But do not harm these men because they have come under the protection of my house. But the men threatened Lot. He came here as a traveller, they shouted, and now he continually acts as a judge. We will treat you worse than them. And they forced themselves on Lot and went to break down his door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot into the house with them. And they struck all the men outside with blindness so that they tired trying to find the door. They said to Lot, Is anyone else here? Any sons-in-laws, sons or daughters or anyone else in Sodom? Get them out because we are about to destroy this place. The protest against the city has become immense and Yahweh has sent us. Lot went out to find his sons-in-law and told them to leave the city immediately, but they thought he was joking. When dawn broke, the angels urged Lot to hurry. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here and get out or you will be consumed in the judgment on the city. But Lot lingered, so they grabbed him, his wife and two daughters. 
Yahweh showing mercy to him and forcibly took them out of Sodom. Run for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere on the plain, but run to the hills or you will not escape this destruction. But Lot argued with them. My lords, you have shown me great kindness by saving my life, but I can't run to the hills. What if some evil overtakes me and I die there? Look, there's a city nearby. It's only very small. Let me escape there instead. And the angel agreed and promised not to overthrow the smaller city, nor to act on Sodom until Lot had reached it. This was the city of Zoar, which means little. The sun had risen by the time Lot arrived there. Then Yahweh sent sulphur and fire from the heavens, and it rained on Sodom and all the cities of the plain, and everyone and everything was destroyed. But Lot's wife, who was behind him, looked back, and she became a great garrison of salt. Abraham went early to the place he had stood before Yahweh and looked down at Sodom and Gomorrah and the land of the plain and saw it burning like a furnace. When Elohim destroyed the cities of the plain, Elohim remembered Abraham and sent Lot out from the cities that he overthrew. Lot was afraid to stay in Zoar, so he settled in a cave in the hills with his two daughters. The elder of them said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man left on earth who will get us pregnant. Let's get our father drunk and have sex with him so that we can have children and not die out. So that night they got Lot very drunk, and the eldest daughter had sex with him, though he was too drunk to know it was happening. The next day, the younger daughter did the same, and so both daughters became pregnant by their father. The eldest gave birth to a son and called him Moab. He is the ancestor of the Moabites in this story. The younger gave birth to a son and called him Ben-Ami. He is the ancestor of the Ammonites. Both the Moabites and the Ammonites lived north of Zoar, in the hills up the eastern side of the Salt Sea. From there, Abraham journeyed to the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur, living in Gerar as a foreigner and claiming that Sarah was his sister. King Abimelech took Sarah into his house, but Elohim came to Abimelech in a dream and said, You are a dead man because the woman you have taken is already married. Abimelech had not yet been near her, so he pleaded with Elohim, Will you destroy an innocent people? Abraham told me she was his sister, and she confirmed it. I did this in good faith. Elohim replied, I know, and it was I who kept you from touching her. Now return the man's wife. He is a prophet and will pray for you and you will live. But if you don't return her, be sure that you will die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech got up early, called for his servants, told them what had happened, and they were all afraid. He called Abraham and said, What have you done to us? 
How have I wronged you that you brought this guilt on me and my kingdom? You should not have done this. What were you thinking? Abraham replied, I thought there is no fear of Elohim here, and they will kill me on account of my wife. And she is technically my sister, the daughter of my father, though not my mother. When Elohim caused me to leave my father's house, I told her she must do me this kindness at every place to spare my life. Abimelech gave Abraham livestock and slaves and returned Sarah back to him. My land is here around you, he said. Live anywhere here that you please. And to Sarah he said, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver to cover the eyes of all who are with you. And with that, Sarah was cleared of any wrong. Yahweh had made Abimelech's entire household infertile because of Sarah. But Abraham prayed to Elohim, who healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female slaves. Yahweh kept his promise to Sarah, and she conceived and gave Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which Elohim had spoken. Abraham named him Isaac, and when he was eight days old, he circumcised him as Elohim had commanded. Sarah said, Elohim has made me laugh, and it is infectious. Who would have ever said to Abraham that I would nurse children? But here I have a son, in our old age. Isaac grew, and Abraham threw a great feast for the day he was weaned. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Hagar the Egyptian. And she said to Abraham, Send the slave woman away with her son. Don't let him inherit along with my son, Isaac. Abraham was angry, but Elohim said to him, Don't be angry on behalf of Ishmael or Hagar. Listen to Sarah. It is through Isaac that your descendants will be known. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation from him as well, because he is your child. So early the next morning, Abraham gave Hagar some bread and a skin of water, put the child on her shoulder and sent her away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba, west of the Salt Sea. When their water had run out, she threw the child under a bush and sat down about a bowshot away, weeping loudly. I can't watch him die. Elohim heard the boy crying, and the angel of Elohim called down from the heavens to Hagar. What is the matter, Hagar? You have no need to fear. Elohim has heard the boy's cries. Pick him up again and hold him safe, because I will make him into a great nation. Then Elohim opened her eyes and she could see a well. She filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Elohim was with the boy, and he grew up in the wild, in the desert land near Sinai, between the Negev and Egypt, and he became an expert archer. His mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. 
Abimelech and Phicol, his army commander, said to Abraham, Elohim is with you in all you do. Make an oath with me before Elohim that you will not cheat me or my descendants, but will be my ally as I have been yours. Make this oath with me and with the land where you have lived as a foreigner. So Abraham swore the oath. Abraham complained to Abimelech that his servants had seized a well, who protested that he knew nothing about it. So Abraham gave Abimelech livestock and they made a covenant. Abraham set aside seven ewe lambs. When Abimelech asked the meaning, Abraham replied, Accept these seven ewe lambs from me and acknowledge them as my witness that it was I who dug the well. They swore the oath and the place was called Beersheba, which means the well of the seven, or of the oath. The two words have the same root. Then Abimelech and Phicol left and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called on the name of Yahweh el Aulam. And Abraham lived for many days in the land of the Philistines. After all this, Elohim tested Abraham. He said, Take your only son, Isaac, the one you love, and travel to the mountains of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering at a place I will show you. So Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, chopped the wood, and set out with Isaac and two other young men. After three days, he could see the mountains in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, he said to the young men. Isaac and I will go to bow down before Elohim and then come back to you. Abraham gave Isaac the wood to carry, while he carried the fire and a knife, and the two of them walked on together. Father, said Isaac, we have fire and wood, but where is the lamb we will burn? Elohim will see it for himself, said Abraham. When they arrived at the place that Elohim had told him, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood. Then he bound Isaac like an animal and put him on the wood. He reached out his hand and grasped the knife for the ritual killing of his son. But the angel of Yahweh called to him from the heavens, Abraham, Abraham, I am here, replied Abraham. Don't hurt the boy. Now I know you fear Elohim since you have not even withheld your only son. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in tangled bushes by his horns. So he sacrificed the ram as a burnt offering in place of his son. And he called that place Yahweh Sees. And for many hundreds of years it was said that on the mountain of Yahweh he sees. Then the angel of Yahweh called to Abraham again from the heavens. Yahweh says, I swear by myself that because you have done this and have not kept back your only son, you will be blessed 
and your children will multiply like the stars in the sky and the sand on the sea, and they will take the gates of their enemies. All the nations will invoke your children for protection and prosperity, because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham returned to the young men, and they went south to Beersheba, where he settled. Sometime later, Abraham learned that Milcah had also birthed children to Nahor, his brother. Their names were Uz, Buz, Kemuel, who fathered Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. Nahor also had other children by his sex slave Reumah. Their names were Tebar, Gaham, Tahash, and Mach. Sarah died, aged 127, at Kiriath Arba, that's Hebron, in the land of Canaan. After Abraham had mourned her, he got up and spoke to the sons of Heth. I am a foreigner and a traveller here with you. Give me a burial place so that I can bury my dead out of sight. My lord, they responded, you are a mighty prince among us. Take the best of our burial places. Abraham bowed down before them. Please then speak with Ephon, son of Zohar, so that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which is at the end of his field. I will purchase it at full price. Ephon was sitting among the sons of Heth, and he answered, no, my lord, I will not accept payment. Here, in the presence of the sons of my people, I give you the whole field and the cave within it so that you can bury your dead. Abraham bowed down again and insisted that he pay for the field. Ephon replied, My lord, that land is worth 400 shekels of silver, but what is that between you and I? Bury your dead there. Then, in the presence of the sons of Heth, Abraham weighed out 400 shekels of silver according to the standards of the merchants, and the field of Ephon in Machpelah, in sight of Mamre, that is Hebron, was transferred to Abraham, along with the cave and all the trees within its boundaries. And Abraham buried Sarah there. Abraham was now very old, and Yahweh had blessed him in every way. So Abraham said to his oldest servant, the ruler of his household, Put your hand under my thigh and swear to me by Yahweh, God of the heavens and God of the ground, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but that you will go to my country and my family to take a wife for him there. What if she doesn't want to come back with me here? The servant replied. Should I take your son back to the land you came from? No, said Abraham forcefully. Under no circumstances take my son back there. Yahweh, God of the heavens, who took me from the house of my father and the land of my family and who swore to me that my descendants would live here in this land, he will send an angel ahead of you. You will take a wife for my son from there. 
If it turns out that she won't come back with you, then you are free from this oath. Just do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under Abraham's thigh and swore the oath to his master. Then he took ten camels, loaded them with gifts, and travelled to Aram Naharaim, to the city of Nahor. It was evening when the women of the city would come out to the well to draw water, so he made the camels kneel down by the well and said, Yahweh, God of my master Abraham, show kindness to him through what unfolds here. When the daughters of the men of the city come out to this well, I will ask them for a drink. The one who agrees and offers water for the camels as well, let her be the one for Isaac. Before he had finished speaking, Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah and Nahor, came to the well with a jar on her shoulder. She was a beautiful young virgin, and she went down to fill her water jar. The servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me have a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she replied, and quickly lowered her jar for him. I will draw water for your camels as well, she added, and emptying the rest of the water into the trough, she ran back to the well to fill the jar again for all the camels. The servant stared at her, dumbstruck, wondering if Yahweh had already made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the servant took a large gold ring and two large gold bracelets. Whose daughter are you? he asked. Is there a place we could stay tonight in your father's house? I am the daughter of Bethuel, she replied, the son whom Milcah birthed to Nahor. We have lots of straw for the camels and room for you to stay with us. The servant bowed low before Yahweh and said, Blessed be Yahweh, God of my master Abraham, to whom he has kept faith. Yahweh has guided me on this journey right into the house of my master's brother. The girl ran ahead and told her mother's household about what had happened. Now Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. When he saw her wearing the ring and the bracelets and heard her describe the man who had given them, he ran out to the servant who was waiting at the well. Come in, he said. Blessed be Yahweh who blesses you. Why stand outside any longer? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the servant went with him to the house, and Laban unloaded the camels and fed them, and gave him water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who had travelled with him. But when the food was ready, the servant said, I won't eat until I have spoken. Speak, they replied, and the servant told them of Abraham, of his wealth, and the son that Sarah birthed to him in their old age. He described the oath he had made to Abraham and the words he had spoken to Yahweh before meeting Rebekah at the well. If you will show faith to my master, he continued, tell me now, and if not, tell me that as well, then I know my next choice. Both Laban and Bethuel responded, This word comes from Yahweh. It is not up to us to appraise it. Here is Rebekah. Take her with you and let her be the wife of your master's son. 
as Yahweh has spoken. At these words, Abraham's servant bowed down to the ground before Yahweh. Then he brought out gifts of silver and gold and expensive clothes, which he gave to Rebekah and gave other valuable gifts to her brother and her mother. Then he and the men that had travelled with him ate and drank and spent the night. In the morning, the servant said, Send me away now to my master. But Rebecca's brother and mother said, Let the girl stay ten more days with us and leave with you after that. Do not keep me here, said the servant, since Yahweh has made my journey successful. Send me away to my master. They called for Rebecca and asked her, and she said, I will go. So they sent away their sister, Rebekah, and her nurse, with Abraham's servant and his men. And as they parted, they blessed her. May you, our sister, become thousands of multitudes, and may your descendants take the gates of those who hate them. Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai Roy in the Negev, where he had been living. As evening approached, he went out to the fields to contemplate the land, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah saw Isaac and dismounted. She asked the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? That is my master, he replied. So she covered up her face with her veil. The servant told Isaac the story of what he'd done, and Isaac brought Rebekah into Sarah's tent and took her as his wife and loved her. And so Isaac was comforted after the death of his mother. Abraham took another wife called Keturah. She birthed to him Zimram, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbach and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Ashurim, Letushim, and Leumin. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephur, Hakoch, Abedah, and Eldar. All of Abraham's inheritance passed to Isaac. But to these sons he gave gifts while he was still living, and sent them away from Isaac into the east. Abraham lived for 175 years and died old and satisfied. He was removed to his people and buried by Isaac and Ishmael in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephon, son of Zohar, a descendant of Heth, in sight of Mamre. After the death of Abraham, Elohim blessed Isaac and he settled in Beer Lahai Roy. These are the children of Ishmael, Abraham's son birthed to him by Hagar, Sarah's Egyptian slave girl. Nebaoth, Kedar, Adbil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Temar, Jehur, Nafish and Kedemar. Twelve princes who gave their names to their tribes. They settled from Havilah to Shur in the Arabian desert. Ishmael lived with them, away from his brother. 
he died aged 137 years and was removed to his people. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramaeum of Padan Aram. She was cursed to be childless. But Isaac appealed to Yahweh, who upheld his appeal, and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. They struggled inside her relentlessly until she was at her wit's end. So she sought out Yahweh. He said, Two nations do you mother, two peoples torn asunder. One is stronger than the other, the older serves the younger. When she gave birth to the twins, the first child came out covered in a cloak of red hair, so they called him Esau, which means red. His brother came out holding Esau's heel, so they called him Jacob, which literally means he grasps at the heel, but is a euphemism for he usurps. When the boys grew up, Esau was an accomplished hunter, a man of the field, Jacob was a complete man and lived in the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he liked the wild meat he caught, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the fields, starving hungry. Let me have a mouthful of that red Edom, he said. I'm so hungry. This is why he was called Edom. First, you must sell me your right of the firstborn, Jacob replied. The right of the firstborn is the ancient custom that when a father died, all he possessed would pass to his eldest son. I am about to die, Esau retorted. What use is that right to me? Swear it to me, said Jacob. So Esau swore it, and his right, became Jacob's. Then Jacob gave Esau bread with lentil stew, and he ate and drank and got up and went on his way, and so despised his right of the firstborn. There was another famine in the land, so Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech was king of the Philistines. Yahweh appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, but stay in the land that I will tell you. Travel here in this land, and I will bless all your descendants, giving them these lands, honouring the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants so many that they will be like the stars of the heavens. Because Abraham kept faith with the stipulations I commanded, I will give them all these lands, and all the nations will invoke them for protection and prosperity. When the men of Gerar asked Isaac about Rebekah, he said, She is my sister, because he was afraid they might kill him so they could take her. But after they had lived there a long time, King Abimelech looked through a window and saw Isaac playing with Rebekah. He summoned Isaac. She is your wife, he shouted. Why did you say she is your sister? I was afraid I might be killed, replied Isaac. What have you done to us? asked Abimelech. One of our people might have had sex with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So he warned all the people 
Whoever touches this man or his wife will be executed. Isaac sowed crops in that land and reaped a hundredfold. Yahweh blessed him and he became wealthy with a large household and many possessions. The Philistines envied him and had filled in all the wells that Abraham's servant had previously dug. So Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us now, you have become too powerful. So Isaac left that area and pitched his tents in the valley of Gerar. He dug out the wells that the Philistines had blocked up. The shepherds of Gerar claimed the water was their own. Isaac called that well Esek, which means contested. His servants dug another, and the same thing happened. So he named that Sitna, which means enmity. Finally, moving south, they dug a well over which there was no contest. So he called that one Rehoboth, which means room enough. From there, he journeyed a little northeast to Beersheba, to the foothills in the very south of Canaan, on the west side of the Salt Sea. The night he arrived, Yahweh appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of Abraham my servant. So Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of Yahweh, and he pitched his tents, and his servants dug a well. Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of the army, travelled to Isaac from Gerar. When they arrived, Isaac asked them, Why have you come here to me when you hate me and sent me away from you? We see clearly that Yahweh is with you, they replied. So we propose a covenant between us, so that you will not harm us, just as we did you no harm and sent you away in peace. You are the one Yahweh has blessed. So Isaac made them a feast, and they ate and drank, and in the morning they got up early and exchanged oaths, and Isaac sent them on their way in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came to him and exclaimed, We have found water! So Isaac called this new well Sheba, which means oath. And that is why the city is still called Beersheba. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beerai, and Basemath, daughter of Elon, both of them Hittites. They were a bitterness in the spirit of both Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyesight was failing, he called Esau and said, My son, the day of my death approaches. Take your bow and your quiver and hunt for me. Prepare the meat in the way you know I love and bring it to me so I can eat and bless you, my life, before I die. Rebecca was listening. And when Esau went out to the field to hunt, she called Jacob and told him what she had heard. Now listen, she continued, do as I say, go to the flock and bring me two of the best young goats. I will prepare them for your father just as he likes it. Then you must take them to him to eat so that he blesses you before he dies instead. But Esau is covered in hair. Jacob protested. My skin is smooth. What if my father touches me and thinks I am mocking him? He may curse me instead of blessing me. 
Then let that curse fall on me, replied Rebecca. But hurry, do as I say, and fetch the young goats. So Jacob brought them to his mother, and she prepared food just as his father loved. Then she took Esau's best clothes and put them on Jacob and attached the skins of the goats to his hands and to his neck. Then she gave him the food and the bread to take to Isaac. My father, said Jacob, entering his tent. Here I am, replied Isaac. Who are you, my son? I am Esau, your firstborn, Jacob replied. I have done as you asked me. Sit up and eat this meat so you can bless me. But how have you found it so quickly? asked Isaac. Yahweh, your God, brought it to me, said Jacob. Come nearer, said Isaac. Let me feel you so I can know if you are Esau or not. Jacob moved closer to Isaac, who touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's. Are you really my son, Esau? I am, lied Jacob. Then bring me the food so I can eat and bless you. So Jacob took him the food which Isaac ate and poured him wine which he drank. Come here, my son, and kiss me, said Isaac. Jacob moved closer and kissed his father, and Isaac smelled his clothes and blessed him, saying, The smell of my son is like the field Yahweh blessed. Elohim give you heaven's dew, the fat of the land, grain and wine without end. May all the peoples serve you, all nations bow. You are Lord over your brothers, or your mother's sons will kneel. A curse on those who curse you, and blessing on all who bless you. Jacob had only just left Isaac when Esau returned from hunting and brought the food he had prepared to his father. Get up, my father, and eat of this meat so that you may bless me, your life. Who are you? said Isaac. I am Esau, your firstborn son, he replied. Isaac shook violently and could not stop. Who was it then who hunted meat and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came here, and I have blessed him. And yes, he will be blessed. Esau cried out with a bitter wail. Bless me as well, father. Your brother deceived me, and he has taken away your blessing, replied Isaac. Isn't he rightly named Jacob? Esau screamed. He has now usurped me twice. He took away my right of the firstborn, and now he has taken my blessing. Imploring his father, he said, Have you not kept back any blessing for me? I have already made him your lord, Isaac replied. I have given him all his brothers as servants and sustained him with grain and wine. What do I have left for you, my son? Have you 
only got one blessing, Esau pleaded, weeping. Bless me as well, my father. Isaac answered him, On the lean margins of the land, away from the heavens dew, your sword will always be at hand, and your brother shall own you. But when you restless finally stand, his yoke you will snap in two. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing Isaac had given him and said with resolve, My father's days are coming to an end. When they are over, I will kill my brother. But Rebekah was told what Esau had said, so she sent for Jacob. Your brother is planning to kill you. Now do as I say, run away at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until Esau's anger subsides and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send for you and bring you back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Rebekah then said to Isaac, My life is miserable because of the daughters of Heth who Esau has married. I can't bear it if Jacob marries one of them as well. So Isaac called Jacob, blessed him and said, You will not marry one of the Canaanites. Go straight away to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your grandfather, and take a wife from the daughters of Laban, your uncle. May El Shaddai bless you and make you fruitful, so that you become a whole host of peoples. May he give the blessings of Abraham to you and to your children, so that you can take hold of the land where you now live as a foreigner, the land that Elohim gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he set out for Padan Aram, to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean. When Esau saw what had happened, and realised that the Canaanite women didn't please his father, he went to Ishmael, and took his daughter, Mahaleth, the sister of Nebaioth, to be his wife. Jacob set out from Beersheba, and travelled northeast in the direction of Haran. He stopped for the night, as the sun had already set, and took a stone for a pillow, and lay down to sleep. He dreamed there was a great ladder, reaching from the ground right up to the heavens, and the angels of Elohim were climbing up and down it. And Yahweh stood by it and said, I am Yahweh, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you are lying I will give to your children. They will be like the dust of the earth, and will break out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the families of the land will invoke you for their protection and prosperity. I will be with you and protect you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have fulfilled these words. Then Jacob woke up and said, Yahweh is in this place, and I didn't know it. He was scared 
This place is sacred, he said. It is none other than the house of Elohim, and this is the gate into heaven. Jacob got up early the next morning and took the stone he had used for a pillow, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil over it. He called the place Bethel, which means the house of God, though it was called Luz at the time. Then Jacob made an oath, saying, If Elohim will be with me, and keep me on the way I am going, with bread to eat and clothes to wear, and bring me back in peace to the house of my father, then Yahweh shall be my God, and this pillar shall be the house of God, and of all that you give me, I will give a tenth back to you. So Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the sons of the east. He saw a well in a field covered by a great stone and three flocks of sheep lying beside it. The shepherds would all gather there, roll the stone back and water their sheep before returning the stone. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where do you come from? From Haran, they replied. Do you know Laban, son of Nahor, they asked? Yes, they replied, and here is his daughter Rachel coming with the sheep. It is still broad daylight, said Jacob. It isn't the time for the animals to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go out to pasture them. But they said, We can't go until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Only then can we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel arrived with her father's sheep. She was the one who looked after them. When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of his uncle Laban, and their sheep, Jacob went up to the well, rolled back the stone, and watered the flock. Then he kissed Rachel and wept loudly. He told her he was her father's family, that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran off to tell her father. When Laban heard the news, he ran to meet Jacob and brought him back to his house. Jacob explained his journey and Laban exclaimed, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. So Jacob stayed with Laban for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Just because you are my family, you shouldn't have to work for me for nothing. Tell me what your wages should be. Laban had two daughters. The eldest was called Leah and the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were soft, but Rachel, Rachel was smoking hot. And Jacob loved her. So he said, I will serve you for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban agreed, saying, I would rather give her to you than any other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, but they passed like a few days because of the love he felt for her. Then Jacob said, Give me my wife so I can have sex with her. The time we agreed 
is completed. So Laban threw a feast for all the people in that place. But in the evening, when the light had gone, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And he had sex with Leah instead. When the dawn light broke, he saw Leah was in his bed. So he went straight to Laban. What have you done to me? Didn't I serve you seven years for Rachel? Why have you tricked me? It isn't done this way in our country, replied Laban, giving the younger daughter before the elder. Finish the week of wedding celebration with this one, and I will give you my other daughter as well, in return for seven more years of service. Jacob did this, finishing the week with Leah, as was ancient custom at the marriage feast. Then Laban gave him Rachel as a wife as well. Jacob had sex with Rachel and loved her more than Leah, and he served Laban for another seven years. When Yahweh saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was cursed to be childless. Leah became pregnant and birthed a son she named Reuben, because she said, Yahweh has seen my affliction. Now my husband will love me. Which doesn't really make any sense in English, but in the Hebrew it's a pun. Kind of like if she called him Casey Affleck, because Casey my affliction. Kinda. She became pregnant again and birthed a son she named Simeon, saying, Because Yahweh heard that I'm hated, he gave me this second son. Again she became pregnant and birthed another son she named Levi, saying, This time my husband will be joined to me, because I have birthed him three sons. Then she became pregnant again and birthed a fourth son she called Judah, saying, This time I will throw my thanks up to Yahweh. Then Leah stopped having children. Rachel envied her sister for bearing Jacob children, so she said to him, Give me children, or I shall die. Am I in the place of Elohim, who has not given you the fruit of the womb? He retorted angrily. So she said to him, Take my slave girl, Bilhah, have sex with her so that she can birth onto my knees and I can have children through her. So Bilhah became pregnant and birthed Jacob a son. Rachel said, Elohim has heard my voice and judged in favour of my cause. So she named him Dan. Then Bilhah became pregnant again and birthed a second son to Jacob. Rachel called him Naphtali, saying, In my wrestlings with Elohim, I have wrestled with my sister and endured. When Leah realised she could no longer have children, she took her slave girl, Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob as well. Zilpah birthed a son to Jacob, whom Leah called Gad, shouting, Good luck! Then Zilpah birthed a second son to Jacob, and Leah called him Asher, exclaiming, My happiness! At the time of the wheat harvest, Reuben went to the field and found mandrakes for his mother Leah. Please give me some of your son's mandrakes, Rachel asked her. 
Isn't it enough that you have taken away my husband? said Leah. Will you take away my mandrakes as well? If you give me some of your mandrakes, he can sleep with you tonight, said Rachel. When Jacob came back from the fields, Leah went out to meet him. You must have sex with me tonight, she said. I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. So Jacob slept with her, and Elohim listened to Leah, and she became pregnant and birthed to Jacob a fifth son she called Issachar. She said, Elohim has paid me my reward because I gave my slave to my husband. Then Leah became pregnant again and birthed Jacob a sixth son she called Zebulun. Elohim has sent me with a good dowry. Now my husband will honour me. After that she birthed a daughter and called her Dinah. Then Elohim remembered Rachel and listened to her and opened her womb. She became pregnant and birthed a son she called Joseph, saying, Elohim has removed my shame. Now Yahweh add another son. All of the sayings after the birth of the sons are puns on the names. Obviously, puns are almost impossible to translate. But if we can have Casey Affleck for Reuben, I'm wondering if we could think of an entire cast of actors that can pun with the names and then we've got ourselves a cast for the film. Well, answers on a postcard. Anyway, back to the story. After Joseph was born, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away now so that I can go to my home and my country. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you and let me go. But Laban said, If you will allow me to say, I have learned by divination that Yahweh has blessed me because of you. So name your pay and I will give it to you. You know how well I have served you, replied Jacob. You had very little before I arrived and since then it has increased a lot. Yahweh has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when will I be able to provide for my own household? What shall I give you? asked Laban. Don't give me anything, said Jacob. Just do this one thing for me. I will take your flock out to pasture. Let me go through them and remove every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and all the speckled and spotted goats. That will be my payment. It's transparent. When you look through my flock, you will easily be able to see if any are stolen. Good, said Laban. Let's do as you have said. But straight away, Laban removed all the goats that were speckled and spotted, and every lamb that was black, and he gave his sons responsibility for them, and he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob while Jacob was out pasturing the rest of Laban's flock. So Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar, almond and plain, and peeled them, exposing the white under the bark. He put the rods in front of the flocks, 
by the water troughs so that they would be on heat when they came to drink. As a result, they would breed there and produce young that was striped, speckled or spotted. Jacob separated the lambs and set them behind the striped and the black animals in Laban's flocks, but he kept his own flock separate. Whenever the stronger animals of the flock were on heat, he would put the rods by the troughs, but took them away when the weaker animals bred. So the stronger animals belonged to Jacob, but the weaker animals remained Laban's. In that way, Jacob grew extremely wealthy and had large flocks, male and female slaves, camels and donkeys. Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were complaining about him, saying, Jacob has taken everything that belonged to our father and got rich with it. And he saw that Laban didn't look at him like before. Yahweh said to Jacob, Return to your ancestral land, to your family. I will be with you. So Jacob called for Rachel and Leah to meet him in the field where his flock was. I can see your father doesn't see me like before, he said, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, and yet he has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But Elohim prevented him from harming me. If he said, your wages will be the speckled of the flock, then all the flock birthed speckled young. If he said, your wages will be the striped, then the flock birthed striped. So Elohim has taken animals away from your father and given them to me. During the mating season, I had a dream. The male goats that mounted the flock were all striped, speckled or mottled. Then the angel of Elohim said to me, Jacob. And I replied, here I am. He said, look at the goats. I have seen what Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and swore an oath to me. Now leave this land straight away and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah answered together. What is left for us here? Doesn't our father treat us as foreigners? He sold us and has eaten up all the money he made. All the property that Elohim has taken from our father belongs to us and our children. So do what Elohim has said to you. Laban had gone to the fields to shear his sheep and Rachel stole her father's household gods. Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by leaving without notice. He put his children and his wives on camels and fled with all that he had, all the property that he had acquired in Padan Aram across the Euphrates and southwest to the hill country of Gilead, east of the Jordan. After three days, Laban was told that Jacob had fled, so he and his brothers pursued them for seven days until they caught up with them in Gilead. But Elohim came to Laban the Aramean in a dream at night and said, Listen, do not say a word to Jacob, either good or bad. Laban overtook Jacob who had pitched his tent in the hills. So Laban and his brothers camped in the hills as well, and Laban confronted Jacob. What have you done? You have tricked me and stolen my daughters away like prisoners of war. 
Why did you flee secretly? I would have sent you away properly with a feast, with songs and laughter. But you have not even let me kiss my sons and daughters farewell. Your actions are foolish, and I have the power to exact revenge. But the God of your father appeared to me last night and warned me not to speak to you, either good or bad. But tell me this, even if you had to leave because you yearned so strongly to see your father again, why did you steal my gods? Jacob replied, I left quietly because I was afraid you would take your daughters from me by force. But as for your gods, if you find anyone here who has them, then let them die. In the presence of our families, show what I have taken that belongs to you. He didn't realise that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban looked in Jacob's tent, in Leah's tent, and in the tents of the two slave girls, but he didn't find the gods there. Then he went into Rachel's tent. She had hidden them in a camel's saddle and sat on it. Laban felt all around the tent but couldn't find them. Rachel said to her father, Please, my lord, don't be angry that I cannot get up. I have my monthly period. So even though Laban searched, he couldn't find his household gods. Then Jacob confronted Laban angrily. What is my crime? What have I done to make you pursue me like this? You have searched through all my possessions. Have you found anything that belongs to you? Go on, place what you have found right here in front of all our families so that they can decide between us. For the last 20 years I have served you. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried. I haven't eaten the rams from your flock. When your livestock were torn by wild animals, I bore the cost myself. That was the recompense you sought, whether they were taken by day or night. I have spent my days overwhelmed by heat and my nights deprived of sleep by the freezing cold. Of these 20 years I served you, 14 years for two daughters and six more for your flock. You have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the terror of Isaac had not been with me, then you would have sent me away now with nothing. Elohim saw my suffering and the work of my hands and passed his judgment to you last night. Laban replied, These daughters are mine. The children are mine. The flocks are mine. Everything you can see here, it is all mine. But what can I do today to these daughters or the children they have birthed? So let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a legal witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and raised it as a pillar. And he told his family to gather stones which they formed into a stack and they ate there next to it. Laban called the stones Jagar Sahadutha and Jacob called it Galid. Both names mean stack of witness, one in Aramaean, the other in Hebrew. Then Laban said, This stack 
is a witness between you and me today. He named the pillar Mizpah, the watchpost, saying, Yahweh will keep watch between us when we are apart. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take more wives, even though no one else goes between us, remember that Elohim is our witness. And both this stack and the pillar are witnesses to our covenant that I will not go further than them towards you, and you will not go further than them towards me without suffering harm. May the gods of Abraham and the gods of Nahor, the gods of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the terror of his father Isaac, and offering a sacrifice at the highest place, he called his family to eat bread, and they stayed the whole night in the hill country. Early the next morning, Laban got up, kissed his grandchildren and his daughters, and blessed them before returning to his home. Jacob continued on his journey, and the angels of Elohim met him. When Jacob saw them, he exclaimed, This is Elohim's camp! So he called that place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau, to the land of Seir, the country of Edom. I have lived with Laban as a foreigner and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, slaves, and I sent this message to you, my lord, so that I might have your favour. The messengers returned, saying, We met your brother, and he is coming to meet you, along with four hundred men. When he heard this, Jacob was really afraid and unsure what to do. He divided the people with him into two camps, along with the flocks and herds and camels, thinking, if Esau attacks one camp and destroys it, then at least the other one can escape. Then he said, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, Yahweh, who said to me, return to your country and your family and I will be good to you. I do not deserve all the kindness and the fidelity you have shown your servant, for I crossed the Jordan with only a staff and now I am two camps. Now rescue me from Esau's reach. I am afraid of him that he will come and kill us, even the mothers with their children. It was you who said, you can be sure I will only do you good and will make your children as the sand of the sea, so many they cannot be counted. So Jacob spent the night there, and from what he had acquired, he made a gift for Esau. Two hundred she-goats and twenty he-goats, two hundred ewes and twenty rams, thirty milking camels and their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male. And he gave them to his servants, herd by herd. Go ahead of me, he instructed, and put a distance between each herd. When Esau meets each of you and asks you to whom you belong, where are you going and whose are these animals, you should say, these belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau, and Jacob is behind us. He thought, perhaps I can pacify him with the gifts that go ahead of me, and by the time I see him, he might accept me. 
So the gift went on ahead, but Jacob spent the night in the camp. Later that night, he got up, took his two wives, their slave girls, and his eleven children, and sent them along with everything he had across the Jabbok ford. Then Jacob was all alone. A man wrestled him until dawn. When he saw that he couldn't win, he struck Jacob on the hip and dislocated it. Then he said, let me go now. Dawn is breaking. I won't let you go until you bless me, replied Jacob. What is your name? asked the man. Jacob, he replied. Then you shall no longer be Jacob said the man. Now you shall be Israel, for you have struggled with gods and men and have endured. What is your name? asked Jacob. Do you really have to ask my name? he replied. And he blessed Jacob. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, I have seen Elohim face to face and I'm still alive. The sun rose up as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. It's for this reason, by the way, that the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle on the hip socket. Jacob looked up and saw Esau approaching with 400 men. So he divided the children between Leah and Rachel and the two slave girls. He put the slave girls with their children at the front, then Leah with her children, and finally Joseph with Rachel, last of all. He went ahead of all of them, bowing to the ground seven times until he was near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him, embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. When Esau saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? These are the children Elohim has graciously given your servant, replied Jacob. Then the slave girls came near with their children and bowed down. Then Leah and her children did the same, and finally Rachel and Joseph. And what do you mean with the vast company that met me earlier? Esau asked. To find favour with my lord, Jacob replied. I have enough, my brother, Esau said. Keep what you have for yourself. No, Jacob said, if I find favour with you, please accept my gifts. For honestly, seeing your face is like seeing the face of Elohim since you have received me with such favour. Please accept my blessing that has come to you, because Elohim has dealt graciously with me and because I have everything I need. So Esau accepted Jacob's gifts. Let's journey together, said Esau. I will lead the way. But Jacob answered, My Lord knows that the children are weak and that the flocks and herds which are nursing require my care. I cannot go too far in one day or they will die. You should go on ahead and I will lead on slowly at the pace of the cattle and the children until I reach you in Seir. Well then at least let me leave some of my people with you, said Esau. 
But Jacob replied, Do you need to do that? Show me this trust. So Esau returned south to Seir, but Jacob journeyed a little further west towards the Jordan River to Succoth and built himself a house and made booths for his animals, which is why the place is called Succoth. Jacob eventually crossed the Jordan and arrived at the city of Shechem in the land of Canaan, having travelled from Paddan Aram. He camped by the city and from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he purchased for a hundred kesidah the plot of land on which he had pitched his tent. Then he set up an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. Dinah, Leah's daughter, went to visit the women of the region. But when Shechem, the prince of the region, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, saw Dinah, he took her and raped her. He became obsessed with her and tried to love her and speak gently to her. He said to his father, Hamor, Give me this girl to be my wife. Jacob heard that Shechem had made Dinah unclean, but his sons were with his livestock in the field, so he kept silent until they returned. When they heard, they were upset and angry because he had violated Israel's code by having sex with his daughter. This should not have happened. Hamor went to Jacob to speak with them. The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. If we make marriages together, giving your daughters to us and taking our daughters for yourselves, then the land will be open to you to live in and trade and acquire property. Shechem also spoke. Let me reclaim your favour. Name your price and I will pay it as high as you like. Just give me the girl to be my wife. The sons of Jacob said to Shechem and his father Hamor, We can't give our sister to someone who is uncircumcised because that would violate our code. So we will agree to your proposal, but only on the condition that you become like us and that every male in your city is circumcised. If you do that, then we will give our daughters to you, live among you, and become one people. But if you don't, then we will take our daughter and leave. Hamor and Shechem liked what they heard, and Shechem acted straight away because he was so happy with Jacob's daughter. Being the most honoured of all his family, Shechem and Hamor came to the city gate and spoke to all the men. These people are friendly towards us. Let's allow them to live in this land and to trade in it, because it's large enough for all of us. We can take their daughters in marriage and give them our daughters. But they require this single condition, that every male is circumcised, like them. Their cattle, their property, all their animals will be ours. Let's agree to their demand and they will stay here. All the men of the city listened to Hamor and Shechem, and every male was circumcised. But on the third day, when they were all still in pain, 
Simeon and Levi, Dina's brothers, took their swords and attacked the city by stealth, killing all of the males there. They sliced open Hamor and Shechem and took Dinar from Shechem's house and left. Then the other sons of Jacob plundered the city in recompense for making their sister unclean. They took the flocks and herds, the donkeys, anything in either the city or the surrounding fields, everything they possessed, including their little children and their wives, everything that was in their houses, the sons of Jacob captured and made their own. Jacob confronted Simeon and Levi. You have made trouble for me. You've made me a stench to the people of this land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few. If they join forces against me, I will be destroyed. All of us will. But they retorted, Should our sister be treated like a prostitute? Elohim said to Jacob, Get up, travel south to Bethel and settle there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to all his household, Put away the foreign gods you have. Undergo the ritual cleansing and change your clothes. Then we will go to Bethel so that I can make an altar there to the God who answered me in the day of my troubles and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they all gave Jacob their foreign gods and all the rings in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the great tree near Shechem. As they travelled, the terror of Elohim was on all the cities that passed, so no one pursued them. When Jacob arrived in Bethel, he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because it was there that Elohim had been revealed to Jacob when he was fleeing from his brother. Bethel is also where Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, was buried, under an oak called Alon Bakuth. Now, this story I am telling you is very old and came to its final editors via many different people. They decided to also include a little extra bit, which sounds a lot like a different version of the story we've just told. I think it might be the snappy original. So I've kept it for you. Here it is. Elohim appeared again to Jacob when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. I am El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, a host of nations will come from you and kings shall spring from you. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you and your children after you. Then Elohim went up from there. Jacob set up a pillar of stone and poured a drink offering on it, and then oil. So Jacob called that place Bethel. Okay, so now we return to the story we were telling. They journeyed south from Bethel, but when they were still some distance from Ephrath, that's Bethlehem, Rachel went into labour and had severe complications. As the child was being born, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid, 
you have another son. And as Rachel's soul was leaving her, she named him Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath. And Jacob set up a pillar at her grave, which stood there for many ages that followed. Then Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Adar. Oh, and by the way, while Israel lived in that land, Reuben had sex with Bilhah, his father's sex slave, the slave girl of Rachel, and Israel heard about it. Jacob finally came to his father, Isaac, at Mamre, or Kirith Arba, that's Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had lived as foreigners. Isaac lived for 180 years and then breathed his last. He died and was removed to his people, old, full of days, and was buried by his sons, Esau and Jacob. Oh, well, 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 me Ardis, what an epic story. Such a huge, vast, vast adventure with so many characters and twists and turns, and yet we're not even, not even close to 5% through the biblical story. But uh, this is one adventure and a half. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride. Uh, looking forward to episode two when we'll talk about all that. But for now, see you next time with more stories beyond the horizon. <laughs>